Blog Talk Radio. in between. Live from Los Angeles, California, welcome to the Paranormal and the Sacred Radio Show with your host, Shaw McCain. Hey everybody, I'm your host, Shaw McCain. I'd like to welcome listeners to the Paranormal and the Sacred Radio Show. My show is created to provide an open-minded platform that welcomes the gifted and extraordinary thinkers from every walk of life and circumstance. Please follow the Paranormal and Sacred on Facebook for upcoming events and specials speakers from around the world. We're happy to say that we're translating to many different languages for our listeners outside of the country. The call-in number tonight is 619-924-9744, and the paranormal and the sacred airs every Friday night, 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. I have a few announcements before we get our first uh, guest on. Uh, the first announcement is Cyril International is having a on April 4th a fantastic presentation. And it's going to be with Debbie Jordan Cobble, who will be one of the guest speakers. And Debbie is also known as Kathy Davis, the subject of Bud Hopkins' best-selling book and Tracy Torme's TV miniseries, Intruders, and the incredible visitations at Copley Woods. And Travis Walton is going to be there, and I think Tracy Torme is also going to be there. And it's not to miss. It's a nominal fee. And you get more information at www.cerointernational.com. Uh, tickets, I think, in advance are only $15, I think. So it's really reasonable, and it will be in Culver City, California this time. So to get more information, just go to the website. And I want to let you know that Gary Bavaros, uh, developer, developer and facilitator of the Archetypal Nature Workshop, that workshop is still going on. Uh, they have a couple more Saturdays left, so you want to get in on it. Go to www.archetypalnature.com, and he's giving a in-depth uh, delivery of the Jungian approach to uh, life and accessibility and engaging, and uh, he's just an awesome guy. He's been on our show a couple times, and I find him endlessly fascinating. For more information, go to archetypalnature.com, or you can go to his site www.gsbobroth.com. And I also must tell you about my darling friend, Marilyn Salas's creation, Love's Blessing. She get, About a month or two ago, she sent me this beautiful little kit of all these little sprays, and it has little jewels on the front and those beautiful blue bottles that I love. And the mist is, it smells a little bit like incense. And it's very comforting, and I, and I bless myself with this every morning, and she says it's calming and relaxing, and uh, she's into healing and meditation. And you, they're available for Marilyn at info at lovesblessing.com, or you can order directly at P.O. Box 1075, Ojai, California, 93024, or at ojai, O-J-A-I, healer, at gmail.com. 
Marilyn Salas is a wonderful fan of the paranormal sacred, and we love her very much. And tonight, I just have to, we have two guests, two awesome guests. The first hour is Dr. Lynn Katai, MD, and she's an internationally acclaimed physician and award-winning health educator with a distinguished career spanning over 35 years. She was the chief clinical consultant of the Imaging Prevention Wellness Center at the renowned Arizona Heart Institute in Phoenix before pushing her successful medical career aside to pursue the source and meaning of the historic Arizona mass sighting event of March 13, 1997. My best friend was there, anyway, which has become known across the globe as the Phoenix Light. Dr. Katai has dedicated her life work to community education, appearing as the health resident reporter for NBC affiliates in Philadelphia and Phoenix, as well as USA Cable and worldwide since 1976. After coming forward in 2004, her riveting photo evidence and interviews have been featured in hundreds of radio and print interviews, including Coast to Coast AM, as well as TV and feature films, including Cyrus, Thrive, and The Afterlife Project, National Geographic TV, Fox Network News, Fox in the Morning, and she's been everywhere, okay? America Live and met with Megyn Kelly, ABC, CNN, NBC, CW, CBS Affiliates, Larry King, oh my God, Discovery and History Channels. Anyway, she has an internationally award-winning Phoenix Lights documentary that you can find, and she's going to give you the information on getting to that. And I just can't hardly wait to welcome her aboard, so I'm going to get her in here now. Now, welcome to the show, Dr. Lynn. Uh, thank you so much, Char. It's wonderful being here with you. Thanks so much. Uh, I'm so happy that we can share the story about the Phoenix Lights, at least a, a little tip of the iceberg for the for your audience, because there is so much mis and disinformation out there that uh, was one of the reasons that I came forward after seven years of anonymity to set the record straight, and uh, I'd love to share it with you. You know, I want to thank you so much for coming forward like you are because I'm an experiencer and been hiding out for many years, but I have been going to Cyril for the last 21 years with Yvonne Smith. But mm-hmm. um, it's it's very uh, – this topic is, is – is hot to us. We're extremely interested, yet yet a lot of us are fearful. So you're one of the courageous ones. And because well, of you your know, credentials, <laughs> you I, give I us the credibility. Well, I, you know, that's, that was one of the other reasons I came forward. I mean, I, you know, once I pushed my entire medical career aside, as, as you mentioned, to try to find a logical source and meaning for what not only thousands of other people saw, but what I saw up close and personal two years before the mass sighting. Most people don't know that unless they, they read my book. And now we have the third edition out there, and I'm sharing even more intriguing data that if we have time we can get to. But, um, you know, after seeing these things up close and personal or having an experience, and most anomalies can be explained. Let's get that out in the open. Only a small percentage cannot. But just because we don't have the technology yet to definitively define what these things are, it doesn't mean they're not real. We may just be looking on the AM dial for an FM frequency. And as a physician, I mean, when I came forward, it wasn't only as a scientist and an educator, but as a physician because and an experiencer. Because once you have an experience, even though it may be explained or explainable, 
it's real to you. And if you don't share it, it festers. And it is very, very healing. And I tell people all the time, even if you just email me through our website, thephoenixlights.net, or message me on Facebook from Phoenix Lights Network Facebook page, I listen and, and I'll answer you um, because it's, it's really important to share. It's very healing and very cathartic. So I get it. And, and that was another reason that I thought it was really important to, to come forward to let people know that they're not alone. Yeah, you, you know, um, I have to give you your props because you just got back from giving, a, I heard, was a very powerful presentation. Do you want to tell them uh, about your recent experience and your share recently? Absolutely. This past weekend, we celebrated the 18th anniversary, which I cannot believe it's been 18 years since thousands of people, we're talking over 10,000 people, witnessed while they were looking skyward for a glimpse of the Hale-Bopp Comet, also caught a glimpse of a mile to two mile wide, either the formation of orbs, balls of light that were equidistant from each other that seemed to be attached to something, or actual craft. And there, there were nine or ten different craft. If you go on the website, the net, and look on the GAP page, Geospatial Animation Project, a 12-year compilation of thousands of reports to the National UFO Reporting Center in Seattle, Washington, and Councilwoman Vice Mayor Francis Barwood, who was the only elected official that even asked for an investigation, as well as the Lazarus, which was the Clearinghouse in Arizona, MUFON, um, you'll see that they are very, very different. Now, whether it was one craft that could morph into looking differently or the perspective from where the person was standing or an actual parade, which is what the investigators finally concluded. And another reason I had to come forward, there's so much mis- and disinformation out there. I mean, most people think that there was one or two events and it was only for a couple of hours. Yeah, that from 8 to 10 was when the bulk of people were outside looking up. But it was for over a dozen hours, and there were multiple things happening at the same time. There was definitely a parade, not only in Arizona, but there were witnesses, Native Americans in New Mexico, as well as uh, people in California and um, also Nevada, that were seeing these things as well on March 13th and starting at 3 p.m. in the afternoon, daylight sightings in Phoenix and going all the way until 5.30 the next morning when there was actually a Boeing crew coming into work at Sky Harbor International Airport, and they saw one of these craft hovering over their tarmac. So there were multiple things happening at the same time throughout the entire state. That being said, um, one you know there were thousands of people. I mean, over 10,000 people saw this, and, and once that happened, it was like, whoa, something's going on here. And, again, I, I started looking for a logical explanation, and the more I looked – the more I found such credibly, uh, incredible, cr- incredibly credible data from all over the world. I had no idea that this has been going on since human documentation began. I mean, that in itself is so interesting. When you learn that there are primitive caves that have etched out long extinct animals in Peru and, and around the world, and here in the sky they have what we would today call a UFO. And there's writings in, in Sumerian writings, and in, even in the Bible, Ezekiel's Wheel, and so forth, India, India writings as well, um, that, that have the same phenomena described. And, and the interesting thing, too, I mean, indigenous peoples around the world believe in these other intelligences. In fact, I don't believe in coincidence anymore. Six months before the mass sighting, 
I was invited to produce uh, to uh, present my substance abuse prevention education program. I have a company uh, that produces video and workbook curriculums on vital health issues like AIDS and teen pregnancy and substance abuse for schools worldwide. Discovery Education distributes them, and I was invited there at the Gila Bend Indian Reservation, which is actually very sacred ground. And this is very poignant because there are, uh, reservation is between South Mountain, which is just south of the airport, and then further back a few miles is the Estrella Mountain Range. And if you go on the photo page on my unique collection of these anomalous phenomena that have been uh, tested and analyzed and authenticated by university and, and military uh, optical physicists and, and experts as true unknowns. But anyway, the first picture shows where South Mountain and the Estrellas intersect. And that's where their sacred ground is. So six months later, when we had the mass sighting, I thought, wow, I looked at my pictures, and I saw that these phenomena keep popping up in that area, and I called them up. And I said, did anybody happen to see strange lights on March 13th? And they started to giggle, and I said, is that funny? And they said, are you kidding? We've been looking up at them for centuries. We call them sky people, light beings. It's part of their culture. I had no idea. I mean, this is really an important uh, aspect of this whole phoenix lights phenomenon because these orbs are, are accepted by indigenous peoples worldwide in fact the hopi right here in arizona have protocols to invite them in they believe some of them believe that their ancestors actually coming in the spirit world coming to give them uh comfort and and inspiration and motivation and certainly that's happened to me so <laughs> there might be some truth of that but at any rate they also call the estrellas that's how it's got its name, star in Spanish. Um, the gateway to the stars, they believe that there's a, a portal or gateway in that area. And, you know, I, I, I'm a healthy skeptic, so I leave the door open. But if you look at my data, I, the data speaks for itself. These phenomena keep popping up in that area. So that's only one little aspect of this. So when I started learning about the other history, in the 15th and 16th centuries of, of frescoes and paintings. And you can see right in the paintings, I mean, there's a, a UFO with, with even beings in the UFO in the sky with people looking up at it. Um, where did they get this idea? You know, how did that, uh, how did they even imagine that unless they had seen it and they were picturing what they saw? And then you, you fast forward to World War II. In fact, we had a big event. You mentioned the events this past weekend. We also, not only did I speak at the uh, Mesa Main Library uh, on, on Saturday, a rare local appearance here. But Sunday we had a sold-out, uh, unbelievable, sold-out on Saturday, actually, um, event at the Scottsdale Harkin Shea Theater. And you mentioned Travis Walton. He uh, presented after we showed our internationally award-winning documentary um, and was riveting, and uh, as well as a 93-year-young um, World War II Foo Fighters. They had the same phenomena, these balls of, of light, intelligent balls of light, um, around his, uh, he was a pilot, French pilot, in World War II, and he described what he saw and also uh, the, the trouble he got into when he tried to report it. I mean, this, as you mentioned, I mean, there has been so much ridicule and snickering and uh, discrediting uh, around this uh, subject that, you know, as we mentioned at the very beginning, if I can be a credible voice so people actually look at the data, then I've done my job. But getting back to the, to the history, um, then you, 18, actually in 1897, very interesting, 100 years, almost to the month. I mean, this was in, in March and April of uh, 1897, 100 years before the Phoenix Lights event, 
uh, in Kansas, California, Washington, and Canada. Uh, they were describing, and it's in the, in the papers, uh, these gigantic um, airships with removable lights, which was very, very interesting because during the mass sighting, and we're talking incredible technology, not only did people see these phenomena right above their heads and look up into these giant wells of swimming energy, but some saw these orbs detach from the main object, go out into the environment, and then redock it with it. And these were totally silent. And also some saw it take off at a at blink speed, as did the uh, – military that actually approached one of these objects right over the central phoenix at 8:30 that night as they approached the lights dimmed and then it just totally disappeared i mean that's a, a whole other story that a, a luke crewman called the national ufo reporting center and we have some of that recording uh recorded report in the documentary and, and also in the book but but anyway getting back to um to the history and and this airship in, in 1897 they're talking about the same thing of removable lights and going into the environment, um, it's, it's just mind-boggling. And that was six years before the Wright brothers took flight. So, you know, we're talking about a vast history of these phenomena. And then, of course, there were uh, many of these same phenomena seen in the 80s and 90s in Hudson Valley, New York, as well as U.K. and, and Belgium. Um, they've been around for a long, long time. So, you know, it's not just Phoenix, um, but certainly the Phoenix Lights event with so many people seeing it, and, and I'm the only one that has 35-millimeter photographs, but uh, which are fabulous. I mean, if you're going to take these phenomena, uh, digital isn't quite as good as 35-millimeter when they're in the negative to be analyzed. Um, but at the time, nobody had cell phones with, you know, they were the clunky cell phones. So there weren't really that many uh, people not only taking pictures, but there's a handful of uh, videos, and, and my video from the night of March 13th is also um, pretty significant, but there's others that are tremendous as well. Uh, Steve Blonder took a an arrowhead, and you can see those lights. I mean, just look at the data. Just look at it. Um, those lights are either attached to something or have a force field in between. And his and mine were taken before 10 o'clock, and there's a couple of boomerangs after 10 o'clock. One of them is a little haphazard, which is suspect for possibly being flares, which, by the way, Char, is the only explanation that ever came forth. And this was five months after the fact because there was no investigation, no explanation for months. And then suddenly, the day after a USA Today article came out, front page, and, and overnight, we didn't have social media then, it went viral. And by the next morning, our former governor, Vice Symington, called a press conference yes. to reveal the culprit of the lights over Phoenix. And mind you, it wasn't just Phoenix. It was throughout the state and beyond. But nonetheless, people took it seriously, and uh, he comes marching out, one of his aides, in a giant alien head costume and made a mockery. There we go with the ridicule oh, and the mockery. And which is really sad for the, for the witnesses. And what's really well, sad ironic is he was the witness, too. Well, that, yeah, well, we didn't know that until after the 10th anniversary. Um, you know, at first he made a, a mockery of it, and a month later I actually got a call because I checked with all the military because it was so disheartening. I mean, for those of us that saw the real deal, it was really disheartening that, that he would make a joke out of it. And I have to tell you, I, I have some of my conversations in the book and of the, with, the, uh, with military and higher-ups in the military here, and they had no clue either. And then suddenly I get a call. A month after the mass site, a month after the USA Today article on July 24th, uh, 97, from one of the heads of PR at the Air National Guard, and she says, 
Dr. Lynn, I think we know what those lights were back in March. And I was thrilled because I was looking for any logical explanation. And she says, do you believe in all these months nobody ever looked at the log for visiting Air National Guard and the Maryland Air National Guard was in town sending off flares in Operation Snowbird, which I later found out in military terms means diversionary tactical maneuvers, and it's been a diversion ever since. But anyway, she says that must be what some people saw. And I said, well, when were they in town? And she says, March 1st to the 15th. Well, I actually saw the same exact phenomena, and I documented it on 35mm two months before the mass sighting, head-on, turning into a V-shape, this mile-wide phenomena, and called around and found air traffic controllers the next morning in Sky Harbor International Airport that saw the same thing at the same time hovering over Class B restricted airspace, and they actually saw it turn against the wind while I was taking pictures, elevate and then move behind South Mountain. And she says, you never told me that. And then I said, besides, you're trying to tell me that uh, uh, flares that cannot keep a formation traverse the entire uh, state in a V-shaped, equidistantly spaced, rock-solid, mile-wide V formation for hours? And she said, "Uh, I have a call coming in. I'll get back to you. Well, I'm still waiting. But, but you mentioned yeah, because, uh, yeah, because I had my best friend and husband were out, just happened to be out there, and they mm-hmm. saw it too, and they said it was huge, very silent, just silent. Right. Totally silent. And, didn't even displace the air. And then, yes, and there was an odd, the odd thing is it depended on what angle you were looking at. It looked like a triangle. It looked like a wedge. It was, uh-huh. But she said it was flat. Between the lights, it was flat black. Like mm-hmm. so flat, you, the only reason why she knew it was black is because she couldn't see the stars. Stars, exactly, you know? exactly. You exactly. would hear that That's over. Yeah, 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 yeah. You would hear it over and over again. And, and actually, like you mentioned, which was really interesting, um, right after the tenth anniversary, after all this, right? Oh, first of all, let me let me tell you this. As far as the flare thing goes. Mm-hmm. A lot of people said, and I was included. Hey, you know, if it's flares, now I knew that I took photographs, 35 millimeters, so it can't be denied. It's in the negative. Two months before the mass sighting, and when we went back to the close sighting that my husband, who's also a physician, I had in 95, and we're talking really close, right outside our bedroom window of these orbs in a pyramid formation, and I got 35 millimeter then too. But for the first time, we noticed that in the background, and if you look at those pictures on the photo page on the phoenixlights.net website, you'll see the same exact phenomena is in the background disappearing when the closed orbs are disappearing. So I have documentation showing that whoever did this, whoever did this, did it at least three times. And I have documentation after two, but at the time, that's what I had. And, I, you know, so, hey, if it's military, I'm open, do it again. Well, our former uh, uh, vice mayor and, and councilman, Francis Barwood, was actually running for secretary of state in 2000 on a platform to get answers about the Phoenix Lights because so many of her constituents, over a 1,000, had contacted her, and she was just as curious, and she was asking for a reenactment. Fine, reenact it. Well, we get the word um, that on March 7th, three Air National Guards, I believe it was California, New York, and Michigan, um, were coming into town to reenact the Phoenix Lights. Well, you can only imagine. It was a dire failure for them. They tried to make a triangle. It was upside down. It fell apart immediately. It does what flares do. They they drift and drop with the wind and have huge smoke. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, and if you go on the, on the news page, actually, 
on the phoenixlights.net website, Phoenix Lights Network, um, and go in the middle of the page. There's a a CNN Arizona family, AZ family um, news report that is so wonderful, and they show the footage uh, of that night when they sent off the flares. So, you know, for the witnesses, that really confirmed once and for all because they had their shot and they were announcing it publicly that it was definitely not flares. And to this day, Char, it has never been explained or recreated. But right after the 10th anniversary, our former governor came forward to say that he actually saw it. He saw one of the craft and that it was otherworldly. Yeah, that's the quote, is otherworldly. What I don't like is somebody lying. You know what I mean? You could say, I don't know what I thought I saw or, you know, whatever, but to me, he never forgot it. See, that was a telltale sign for me. Because when I listen mm-hmm. to experiencers, they will describe what they see in detail, and they won't leave things out. They'll say, they'll, they'll say, well, from my angle, but sometimes two people standing next to each other won't see the same thing. Right. Just because you're right. actually, I don't know... What's your theory on that? Is it is it a, the anomaly? Is it more of like if you're looking at a prism at times that you'll well, it see? Be, it could be all of the above. Yeah, it could be oh, all okay. of the above because it's our perception. I mean, all of us perceive things a little differently, and you know what we want to perceive. I mean, everybody comes from a different background, a different upbringing, a different belief system. Some people can't deal with this. Some people don't want to deal with it, and that's okay. Everyone in their own time. The information is out there if you care to learn and grow. But when somebody has an experience, you're right. I mean, it could be, you know, their perception could be very different than somebody else's. So, um, you know, that's part of the mix, too. But, uh, and like I said, I mean, there were eight or nine different craft, and they did not put them into the study, into the gap study, geometric animation project, unless um, there were two or more people that saw it. Um, but, you know, then again, people see, you know, different things from different angles and, and their own perceptions. So, yeah, it could be a little different. But when you see, when you hear thousands of reports that are so similar, um, you know, you have to take note that something really extraordinary happened here and it is yet to be explained. And it's happening worldwide. That's the other thing I have to say. When I came forward in 2004, uh, the accepted and the, the official explanation, accepted except for the witnesses, of course, was that the Phoenix Lights were merely military illumination flares. Well, we have really come a long way in 10 years. I mean, with with credible people, I mean, to his credit, the, the governor did come forward and added one more credible person to the list of, of people that, you know, I mean, you have to take note. He was an elected official. you got to give him credit that at least he came forward to say that he saw it. And the more credible credible people to come forward, uh, the more credible the whole uh, sighting is. And, and, you know, so we've come a long way because now people worldwide, of course, we have social media, which really helps. Um, people have cell phones. They're seeing similar phenomena worldwide. And they're looking up and say, whoa, you know, there's the Phoenix Lights, which is, which is really cool. If you go on YouTube and just plug in Phoenix Lights, you'll see what I mean. <laughs> people just oh, yeah. well, they your, see similar things. Well, your site is intense. You know, you've got everything. It's very well documented, you know, and I hope you go there to her site, www.phoenixlight.net. The Phoenix Light. The Phoenix Yeah, if you Google Phoenix Lights, Char, it usually comes up first, so we're good. And, you know, Wikipedia is in there, and I have to say that 
there's a lot of myths and disinformation in there too. So I, I, I hope people will check out the website. And um, there's a lot more in the book, by the way. Um, you know, I know you're you're into the whole paranormal thing. And what was really interesting, yeah. I thought for me personally, um, was that some of the witnesses had had near-death experiences as children that was reawakened by the mass sighting. And I thought, whoa, wow. Um, wow. because I did too when I was eight years old, and I get into it in the in the in the book. I won't ruin it for the readers, can but you, oh, um, darn it, can you tell us a little bit <laughs> what happened? What happened? Oh man, get her book uh, on Amazon, just, the Phoenix Delights, uh, uh, Lynn, and spell your last name K A I T E I. It's pronounced like a key and a tie. Okay, key tie. Um, and, but uh, that's why I go on Amazon. Thank okay. you. That's why I go as Dr. Lynn. <laughs> it's easier that's for right. But, I'm trying um, because uh, now I can't see either, so the I looks like a L, so uh, I'm trying to pronounce it right. So yeah, um, anyway, because uh, what I what I like is because you're thorough, you're intense, uh, you've got a lot of information, and it's uh, interesting for all of us. And you you're you're really uh, put yourself on the line here. And I, I was going to ask you, but now that you brought it up, what in you and what happened to you that cultivated this in you? And you had an experience as a child that, that well, had first you of all, I, for this. Well, I, I appreciate you asking. I, I had no interest or knowledge in the UFO topic at all. In fact, I stayed away from it. Um, and I didn't have time, to be honest with you. But I, I really, it just did not appeal to me at all. But, um, you know, I did have a near-death experience that I never shared with a soul until I came out with the first edition of, in the, of the book in 2004 because what, it, what really got me is when other people were describing their near-death experiences as children being a, reawakened by the mass sighting, mine was too. And I thought, whoa, could there possibly be a connection between all unexplained phenomena, whether it's near-death experience, out-of-body experience, or unexplained aerial phenomena that have a mystical light associated with the experience? And lo and behold, again, when I started looking, I started finding very credible data, university studies, the Omega Project, Dr. Kenneth Ring at the University of Connecticut, a four-inch book talking about the connection, as well as uh, Dr. Bruce Grayson, who was a near-death experience uh, expert, and uh, Raymond Fowler, the Andreessen case, and and others, um, which is really mind-boggling. Not only, and I lay it out very simply in the book, not only is the experience whatever the unexplained phenomena uh, experience is very similar, but the after effect is so profound, the awakening, the positive transformation, the enlightenment that happens within an individual. I started calling all unexplained phenomena an up because it is an up. The connection that the individual experiences probably for the first time uh, to the universe and to the earth and to each other is so profound and so powerful that it changes their lives forever. I mean, and we're talking in real time and long term with the Phoenix Lights because uh, the other issue that I that I go into in the, in the documentary is, is how Hollywood and the media for so long have, you know, when you look at so many of the of the movies that are out there, threat, 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 and harm, harm, harm. I mean, uh, Dr. G- uh, Gary Schwartz, who is the head of the Consciousness Study Department at uh, the University of Arizona, makes a very 
poignant statement that, you know, if you see something that you're afraid of, what you, how do you think you're going to react, okay? And six months before the mass sighting, uh, the movie Independence Day was very popular. And when children, who, by the way, were usually the first ones to see the Phoenix Lights mile-wide V coming towards them, um, were initially frightened and jumping up and down, Independence Day, Independence Day, because we're so conditioned to be frightened. But as the phenomena got closer not only children but adults as well, a calmness took over everyone, a connectiveness to the phenomena that after it passed, I mean, some people got telepathic messages not to be afraid and, you know, all kinds of stuff. And as it passed over, um, they actually wanted to run after it or have their parents get in a car and chase it. I mean, that in, in real time we saw that transformation and certainly long term. I get emails almost every day from somebody that, see something on TV or something on Facebook, and we have a wonderful Phoenix Lights Network Facebook page if people want to explore. There's a lot to explore and consider there, too. But, you know, they they finally want to share it with somebody, and um, I hear constantly people have been changed forever. And Some people went into the peace movement, others went into the environmental movement. I mean, it really wakes them up to, to the fact that, number one, we're not alone in the universe, but certainly that, that we each have a place to help make this world a better world. Exactly, and we're all part of that puzzle that we keep talking about, and this synchronicity is kind of incredible because you brought up that you were doing substance abuse counseling and all that. Actually, that's what I do for the federal government. I'm a forensic counselor for federal prisoners with substance abuse issues. Hmm. Wow. So that's interesting. Yes. And how we, how we get into all this and how it, uh, I don't know, it's, just, it's, a, it's a shock to me because uh, uh, I think as we're going along and as an experiencer, I think it keeps bubbling up. So while we're talking, I'll have memories too. And uh, what you said about the little kids, I didn't know about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it impacted so many people here. I mean, now... You know, kids that were kids then are adults <laughs> 18 years later. And, you know, they'll come to our um, events. Uh, each year we have a, an anniversary event at the Scottsdale Harkin Shea Theater. We've been doing that since the world premiere of the documentary in 2005. And it's amazing. Even the kids that were like seven, eight, nine years old at the time um, remember. I mean, remember just so poignantly and so much detail. I mean, that's the thing that's amazing is that people were touched so much. I mean, that doesn't happen with blimps and, you know, conventional aircraft and balloons and all that. I mean, something really extraordinary happened here and, and continues to happen in the minds of and the hearts of the people in Arizona and, and worldwide, too, because it's happening worldwide. Yes, and I heard that there was also other sightings in 2007 and so on. Yes, I mean, there was uh, there there have been sightings ever since. If you go on the photo page um, as well on the Phoenix Lights Network, Phoenix Lights Network uh, website, um, you'll see that, you know, I, I took amazing pictures, which I didn't even see when I was taking the pictures, but they're in the 35-millimeter uh, negatives of um, these rod-shaped, cigar-shaped, uh, giant, um, you know, phenomena that are in the same exact spot uh, a month apart in November and December of 2000. And these rod-shaped craft have actually been seen 
uh, here at the Superstition Mountains. And uh, the, another speaker that we had on Sunday was an Arizona Navajo Ranger. He's law enforcement who, you know, it came up to me at one of the conferences here a couple years ago and described a very big sighting they had the day before the mass sighting here, and they thought that would be big news, and then the mass sighting throughout the state, um, you know, eclipsed it. But we're talking the Navajo Nation has many, many uh, paranormal things happening up there, and they're actually investigating it, I mean, professionally, which is wonderful. I mean, this is law enforcement that are that are actually doing a job trying to um, document everything and find out what's going on, and they've seen also these rod-shaped, cigar-shaped, giant ships, uh, mother ships, which have been seen around the world, by the way, but they've, uh, they've been sighted there with either orbs or smaller craft coming out of them. I mean, there's, there's so much going on. So take a look at the photo page because you'll see some of the other photos that I took since uh, March 13th, and uh, they continue. They continue. I get emails all the time. There was just a sighting last week, actually. Uh, got a wonderful picture from someone very similar to what happened here uh, on March 13th. And then, um, you know, some other people came forward and, and actually reported that they saw things to move on as well. So, uh, you know, I keep telling people, keep looking up because, uh, you know, you're going you're gonna to see things. Most things can be explained. Most anomalies can be explained. But, um, but these, these things are there, too, if you look for them. Yes. Uh, are you talking about the uh, cigar shape, uh, rod shape? Did anybody say that it was, like, the coloring brown and kind of leathery and really huge and shaped like a cigar? Um, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, they, you know, they describe different, different things. The ones that I saw are in the picture, so you can take a look at them. But, um, me you know. And the same friend saw that after one Thanksgiving. And to really? me, it looked like a brownish, like a yam. So I started calling it the silence huh. of the yam, uh, Thanksgiving. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> because what I got to do, because we, me and my best friend saw a very low and slow one. We were in Long Beach. That was in the 80s. And then ever since we've seen things. Yeah, and uh, Mm -hmm. I saw the uh, cigar-looking one, and it was weird because uh, my then-husband, her husband, all the guys were outside. You know how the guys go outside to smoke whatever they're doing out there? And then we were all inside, and they called us like at the last minute. We went out. There it was. It's Mm slow-moving, kind of radiating. I I thought I saw... Reading, but it was brown, leather, leathery looking. It looked like a cigar, really. I could understand huh. why people said that, but to me, oh, it looked like uh-huh. it had some type of of uh, skin on it. So, you know, hmm. kind of a reddish brown. And uh, I asked them, the guys, why didn't you say something when it was right over your head? Mm-hmm. And they said, because we were trying to figure out what it was. And that's just how people right. act. And they have sighting, yep. you act totally opposite. You don't go tell everybody. You kind of stare at it. Yep. I don't get I I have my same, I've done the same exact thing. You know, you stare no, that's at absolutely it. Absolutely true. What is sure. Absolutely yes. true. I, I've had so many people say, and I did it too, when the closed doors are right outside our window. I mean, you're, you're in awe. Like people say, well, why weren't there more pictures? Well, you know, first of all, when something happens, and I was, you know, same thing happened to me. I didn't want to move. I mean, it was like you try to take everything in mentally, and um, thank goodness I grabbed my camera and did get pictures of it. But um, even in 97, we just had the clunky phones. Remember those that didn't have 
cameras in them and who carries around a camera, you know what I mean? But more and more and now more people will say, even the ones that took pictures, by the way, like you mentioned, it, it was all black. It, it blocked out the yes. stars, so the pictures didn't turn out anyway. But um, but but it's true. I mean, you'll you'll hear it over and over again when there is an extraordinary sighting or uh, phenomena right in front of your face. I mean, you don't move. You're in awe. You're in wonder. And that's the other thing too. I, I must say that in 19 well, it's over 18 years now. There has not been one. This is really important and very telling. Not one report of harm, threat, or abduction associated with the Phoenix Lights. I can't speak for other things. But as far as right. the Phoenix Lights phenomena, and we're talking worldwide, too, I have not heard of one person that has been harmed or threatened or abducted associated no. with the Phoenix Lights. Okay, you brought yeah, up a so point. Was, yeah. Okay, you brought up a point. Mm-hmm. I feel that it was intentional. Mm-hmm. You know, why would anything stay still that long except for it wants to show itself? So right. what do you think? What do you personally think? Personally, I think they're breaking us in for some, you know, more, you know. I, and, I think uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean I I think that uh, you know, after much rumination for all these years, um <clears throat> you know, I have to say that, you know, whoever did this obviously wanted to be seen. And right. you know, I think the final analysis because there were people that got telepathic messages not to be afraid, that it's not to scare them, that you know, they're they're waking people up, not only to their presence and that we're not alone in the universe. But there's a very profound message. I know you guys are, are into the spiritual end of this, and, and I am too, because mm-hmm. it's waking people up to who we are as human beings and, and our positive potential as human beings. And some people might say, oh, that's so new agey. Well, you know what? Maybe it's about time that happens, because the way the world is going right now, it's not too pretty. So, you know, maybe yeah, whoever's doing this, is really no, trying I think to tap you, into the good that we are, that we truly exactly. are. I don't think, and, I think the New Agey reference is kind of uh, boring when they're saying it. What we're mm-hmm. talking about is, okay, this is what we're talking about. Focus, like, let's say we're talking about recovery from a depressed human, addicted person, or just maybe a person that has, has fear in their life so they don't walk around free. They're hiding in their house. They're not coming out. They're sick. They're using drugs. They're doing this. They're not living to their full potential. And then Mm -hmm. they wake up. You know, it's like you're raising from the dead. You know, Mm -hmm. you were dead. Now you're alive. And sometimes when you see this stuff, you realize there's a whole huge, immense, universal potential out here. Absolutely. You know, like look at look at the Hubble photographs. Something I'm I'm still I don't know if everybody's gotten jaded. I haven't. When I see those photographs of space, I'm still enthralled. Like, oh, my God, how gorgeous and beautiful. And and awesome. Oh, it is. It is. You know what's amazing, Char? You know, when Mm -hmm. when we're seeing now, and it's just happened in the last 10 years. I mean, I can't tell you. When I first came forward, I mean, this is, you know, the Hubble was just starting out there and sending pictures back, and we were seeing that there's, we know now, NASA just made the announcement this year, that there's, over 500 billion uh, other galaxies out there. I oh, mean, and who knows how much more there are. I mean, come on, there could be trillions of galaxies. And they all have the, you know, their own suns and their own planets. And uh, come on, give me a break. We know that, that life is viable everywhere, not only in the hot springs of Yellowstone to the, um, 
you know, the Arctic oceans. In fact, last year I did a, a piece. Um, NASA was coming out with an announcement. This was kind of uh, fun. Um, they were coming out with an announcement in the day before uh, about alien life, right? And and so everybody was getting all excited. And I got a call from uh, from Fox, and I actually did a, a, a report with uh, Megan Kelly and astronaut uh, uh, Tom Jones, um, where they were asking us what we were predicting, which is kind of precarious. But I figured, you know mm-hmm. what? I can just You're imagine not. it's going to be some little microbe that they found somewhere, right? And wouldn't you know it, the ne- you know, because uh, the next day, and I got the Phoenix Lights in there, by the way. It was a really fun report. But um, the next day they come out with the announcement that uh, they found microbes that were living in an arsenic lake. So, I mean, life can live everywhere, and we know that the ingredients of life are out there, that are oxygen and hydrogen and nitrogen and, and amino acids are out in space. So, I mean, give me a break. Our, our one Milky Way galaxy is about 14 to 16 billion years old. Our solar system is an, a very young solar system. It's only 4 to 6 billion years old. There's, there's scientists now postulating that there could be intelligent, sentient entities out there billions of years ahead of us. Think about that one. Yes. Uh, and and uh, I've had some very odd dreams and experiences, and one of them was showing me, and they opened the door. First they said, get ready. And so I said, okay. And then I they opened the door, and they showed me where all bets were off. It was so odd or different that there is no word for it here. Let's say our rules for gravity, our rules for color, uh, syntax, anything you could imagine, or mathematics, none of that existed there. It was so different that I, the only thing I could just say, it's, it reminded me of a Kandinsky painting, you know, that it was so uh, unusual. So little by little, I guess all of our brains are being expanded. We did have a question from Chad I want to get to him before I forgot about it. Uh, uh, did anyone verify any of these reports, like a scramble jet fighter? You know how they get out there? Yes, uh, actually, actually did. Okay. Yes. Uh, can you tell yes, us a little yes, bit yes, about I will that? Describe, that? I'll describe that okay. for you, and I'll actually get, you know, if we have time, you just brought up another subject that's very interesting because in the latest edition of my book, I share for the very first time data that I never thought I would ever share that gets into all that with time and space. And the reason that I shared it is that we're starting to progress a little bit into quantum physics and quantum mechanics, but I'll answer your question first. Um, Yes, at uh, at Luke Air Force uh, Base, Crewman actually called the UFO Reporting Center in Seattle, Washington at 3 a.m. the following morning. And we have some of the, you know, the recorded report in the documentary. It's it's very chilling because it was so detailed. And what he described is that two military jets were sent off to intercept a craft, one of these mile-wide craft that was hovering over 7th Avenue in Indian School. It's right in the center of Phoenix at about 8.30 that night. And as they approached the lights started to dim. And by the way, there were civilians that saw this happening, okay? So this was verified by citizens as well. But anyway, the lights started to dim. And as they got a little closer, the object, uh, the, the massive craft, just blinked out. And this crewman said that he was one of the uh, people to help one of the pilots out of his craft because he was so shaken up by it. And he also said that Luke Air Force Base was uh, on lockdown after that. So they knew what was going on. 
okay? And, you know, who knows if later on in the night, um, you know, the 10 o'clock hour uh, when, uh, you know, the air traffic controllers and they were seeing these things at the airport. And, by the way, a pilot even called in and said, what the hell are these lights over me? Okay, so yeah. they, you know, there was stuff going on uh, that I'm sure the military was aware. So who knows if they did send off flares, uh, you know, later uh, in the 10 o'clock hour. But I have to say that we haven't had one witness, not one, that has said the, the characteristics of flares. So I don't know where the flares were, <laughs> if they set them off. But uh, certainly that has confused the issue. And there's still people, by the way, Char, there's still people mm-hmm. that feed into that explanation. And you know what? If that gives them comfort, I guess that's okay. You know, that's their choice. Um, but, you know, there's so much more to the story. And I hope people take a look at the documentary because uh, the report, that recorded report is in there and so much more. Uh, the witnesses themselves are so wonderful. Everyone in the documentary, uh, Steve Lance collaborated with me, um, and it was just the two of us that did the whole documentary. It's a real grassroots effort, and I'm now working actually on a, on a, um, a curriculum for kids. Uh, there is nothing in our classrooms, and uh, I'm now working on a curriculum for 4th to 12th grade with incredible teachers. Kate Hooker at one of the uh, charter schools here has been doing a pilot program with her students. They're, they're loving this. They thirst for this knowledge. Uh, we call it uh, Out of the Box, The Adventures of Sue F.O. Field Observer and Hugh, H-U-G-H, Hugh F.O. He's a little alien. And we have a wonderful Disney illustrator, who uh, Mark Megas, who is just wonderful, who has been uh, lending his talents to the to to this and and other people that are getting involved now to really try to get something out there that's very impactful, very educational and uh, and groundbreaking. There's nothing. There's nothing in our classroom. So stay tuned for that. That's that's next on the yep. <clears throat> on the calendar. That's going to be amazing. <clears throat> so when's your next uh, appearance? What are you, what are you doing? Uh, Oh, I'm Next glad you world. asked me that. Glad you asked me that because um, Memorial Day weekend, May 29th to the 31st, I'll be speaking at the Contact in the Desert conference. Very excited about that. There are some incredible people that are going to be speaking there as well, Eric Van Donegan and Richard Dolan and on and on. I mean, just incredible, uh, incredibly wonderful. Yvonne uh, uh, Smith is going to be Yvonne speaking Smith there as well. Good, and yeah. Um, some wonderful, wonderful speakers, and um, I'm going to be speaking on Friday, the 29th. I'm going to be uh, presenting um, uh, how the Phoenix Light story unfolded through the media, which in and of itself is really fascinating because, excuse me, talking about serendipity, um, about a couple weeks before the mass sighting, I, I wanted to find out what these lights were that I kept on photographing. And there were other people that were seeing them and photographing them, too, by the way, uh, for weeks before. But um, I finally, and this is how close I was to the whole topic, a friend of a friend had a neighbor who had a friend who knew the past president of MUFON, Mutual UFO Network. So I called him up. I said, look, I have, you know, I've been seeing these lights. He hadn't heard about it. But I said, hey, you know, I want to find out what's going on, and I have a picture which was the only one that turned out at the time, more turned out later, um, from 95 of a close sighting that I know is authentic, but I'd like someone of credence to take a peek at it. And he refers me to a field investigator of MUFON uh, for the following Wednesday, who calls me up Tuesday to say that the then state director's mom had passed on Saturday, could we postpone? And the only window of opportunity I had for the next couple of weeks was Friday morning. He said, fine. I walk into his house with video in hand from the night before, 
same exact phenomena that I had seen two weeks before. And he says to me, did you see the mass sighting last night? And I said, what? He said, thousands of people uh, saw, you know, mile-wide craft and orbs, and NBC was coming to interview him in a half an hour. I said, whoa. I said, I used to do health reporting in the early 80s for NBC here in Phoenix, not only here but also in Philadelphia in the 70s. But they might recognize me. I don't know what we're dealing with, if it's a hoax or military or whatever. But it's not about me, and I have to tell you, Char, it's never been about me. I wish I could have stayed anonymous, but at any rate, I said, look, take a copy of the video, share it with whoever, I'm out of here. <laughs> and I left, and yeah. I actually called the air traffic controllers, and they saw the same thing at the same time as well, over Class B restricted airspace the night before. And that day, that next day at 4.30, started the news. Every news station had my video plastered on the screen. It was really exciting, I have to tell you. So anyway, so I kept track. Exciting. Yeah, so I kept track. I mean, it was wonderful to know that people were seeing what we had seen. And by 9 o'clock news, there were a couple other incredible, uh, you know, videos that came out. But but at any rate, I really kept track of the media reports. And, and we're talking VHS here. You know, it wasn't easy <laughs> to get it all together. Yeah. So um, I'm, sharing, I'm sharing that, how the story unfolded through the media at the Contact in the Desert uh, on Friday. Um, I think it's from 9 to 10.30. And then I'm doing a workshop where I'm really going to get into this other aspect, uh, not only the uh, how it affected people in real time and long term, but also how to communicate with these phenomena. That's going to be a wonderful workshop, and that's on Friday the 29th, and then I'm going to be actually on a panel uh, Saturday night with um, with some wonderful people, uh, Steve uh, Bassett, who is, uh, you know, really big in the disclosure. It's a disclosure panel. Um, but I, before before we leave, because I know we're, we're closing here soon, I, yeah, I just wanted to share close. this last thing that I think your listeners would be very interested in, and you too, Char, because you brought it up before. Um, okay. I'm finally sharing for the first time data that uh, that I never thought that I would ever share. Um, I still can't get my head around it, but you know what? I do not believe in coincidence anymore, and it might be important. So it is what it is, and, you know, hopefully somebody will look at it and maybe it will open that door a little bit to get us to the next step because uh, a year after, you mentioned there were other sightings, a year after the mass sighting there was another sighting, 1998, that was spectacular. It was a 40, 40 miles wide of straight lines and mirror images, and the final thing was a giant um, triangle, like a pyramid, and four of us, I had alerted um, three of the other videographers, north, south, east, and west, we were located and actually got a 20-minute array of these amazing phenomena through a fog. I mean, it was just an amazing experience. I tell all about it in the book, and we show some of the pictures in the documentary, in any, in the video. At any rate, I was told to contact Dr. Bruce McAbee, who is a uh, Navy optical uh, physicist. He is now retired, but at the time very well respected in the field uh, to analyze uh, the video and also to take a peek at, uh, like it's an afterthought, I sent the first and the last picture of the closed sighting. And he calls me up uh, a couple weeks later and he said, now you told me that closed sighting, and we're talking really close, <laughs> right outside our bedroom window, a little below us because we're high on a mountain, um, <clears throat> was about two to three minutes. And I said, that's what I remember. And he said, uh, ask your husband, who really didn't want to talk about it, but I finally sat him down and he said he confirmed two or three minutes. Um, and he said, that's impossible. And I said, what do you mean? He looks at the pictures, and if you look at the pictures on the photo page, they're there. 
and you can see the closed orbs uh, disappearing. In fact, the, the last picture is the left bottom orb half disappeared and one's still there. It's, it's an amazing picture. I got it in action. But at any rate, you can see, and he shows me, that the same phenomena is in the background in the same location as two months before the mass sighting and during the mass sighting that I captured. That was number one, because I would have never noticed that. I just thought there were lights in the, you know, in the city. And then he says to me, but look at the skyline. That's the most significant. I said, what do you mean? He said, there are many lights on in the first picture that are off, like groups of lights. In the last picture, he said, that doesn't happen in a couple minutes. He said, I want you to do an experiment. He says, stand approximately the same spot that you were in 95 and take a, a picture, uh, pictures of the uh, skyline uh, once, every one night every hour, the next night every half hour, and actually I did it another night every 15 minutes to see when the groups of lights go out. Now, my husband called me out of a bath. And it happened to be, by the way, the eve of my birthday when this happened. That's how I remember the date, uh, February 6th. And he calls me out of the bath and to our bedroom window, which is a, one wall of our bedroom is a window. And these were a little below us, actually. And so I usually take a bath when we're home between 7 and 8. So let's be conservative and say that we're, the starting point is 8 o'clock. He says, he shows me, he says, if you're looking you know, we through our experiment, the groups of lights start going out at 9 o'clock, and the last picture is indicative of 10, 30, 11 o'clock. And he says to me, can I present this case at the upcoming 1999 MUFON International Symposium in Washington, D.C.? And I said, Dr. McAbee, you know, this is your baby. I would have never, ever noticed this data. He did a meticulous job. In fact, the, the 22, 23-page report is on our website if you look for, look for it. And he says, you know, can I present it? I said, as long as you don't mention my name. I said, I want to stay totally anonymous. Please don't mention my name. And, and thank goodness, I really, you know, I'm so grateful for the people that kept my, my there were only a handful that knew, but um, they kept my name anonymous. And, uh, and I was happy to share the pictures and share this. Well, he presented it in 1999 as the first, and to date I think it's the only photographic evidence of missing time. And the reason I knew you were going to say that amazing. Go ahead. <laughs> the reason I'm, yeah, and the reason I'm sharing it now, Char, is because number one, time. Okay, maybe this can show that our concept of time is primitive. Linear time, past, present, and future, is not what time really is. That's number no, one. That's number one. And number two, you know, quantum physics and quantum mechanics is starting to catch up a little bit. We're talking about the bubble theory and string theory, that there could be 10 or 11 different dimensions. Well, if there are different times and spaces along with ours, then why is it such a leap to think that there might be other intelligences in those other times and spaces that we get glimpses of if we're open to them or invited? So I'm sharing this data for the very first time. I don't know where it will lead, but it's out there for anybody to take a look at it. And, you know, again, hopefully it will open that door a little bit more so we can start moving forward because it's time we get this topic out in the open. That's the bottom line. And, you know, address it, accept it, and study it so we can move forward and not only find out who's driving these things, but move forward in our own evolution. And and that's what this is about. The message is wake up, wake up to what we're doing to ourselves and our planet 
before it's too late. Yes, and, and we have to take care of this planet. We were I was just uh, kind of mourning over the thousand uh, Canadian geese to sell the sky with some kind of disease and mm. all the things that are happening all over the world. You know, we have to just try our best to clean up this world and get off the chemicals and get healthy ourselves and do the best we can. And I just wanted to uh, talk about your Phoenix Light uh, picture. Uh, it won Best Director, winner of Best Documentary, uh, nominated Best, best docu, docu Feature, nominated Best Common Docu Feature in Utah Gloria Film Festival. It's just won over a dozen international film festival awards and uh I wanna just tell you that I'm just happy for you and I respect you for all that. And then there's been special screener screenings in Hollywood and things for your thing. So uh how can people get a hold of you personally if they wanna get your your help and uh your website and your book? And absolutely and I'm I've now joined a wonderful group called Free where we are um, actually uh, getting involved with experiencers, uh, Dr. Edgar Mitchell, astronaut Edgar Mitchell, who's in uh, the documentary. He's amazing in the documentary, and he was being conferred with while it was happening. I mean, I had no idea until I interviewed him. I found out that. Um, And he is amazing. But anyway, he uh, not only started IONS, which uh, the Institute of Noetic Science, combining science and spirituality, but he also um, is one of the founders of uh, what's called FREE, F-R-E-E, to really, uh, you know, do do a, a, a very, very, uh, credible professional study of experiencers. So if people want to look that up, um, I'm one of the, the board advisors on that. I just wanted to put that out there. But um, but the other thing, certainly, I hope people join us at Contact in the Desert. That's going to be really, really fun, the weekend of May 29th, um, as well as uh, please look us up. Uh, on the website is packed with information. It's all free. Um, just Google Phoenix Lights. It usually comes up first, Phoenix Lights Network. Um, and Phoenix Lights Network Facebook page. Um, I post there constantly, and I try to really put updates there as much as I can. So please join us there. Um, it's really fun, and you can message me there or uh, go on the website, and the contact is right at the top of the page. And I, I do people hope people will take a look at the documentary. We're very proud of the awards. I mean, that's unheard of for a documentary, especially for one of the genre, and it keeps evolving. We keep adding uh, to the bonus features. Astronaut Edgar Mitchell talks about the cover-up, and we have the coincidences. Mm-hmm. Um, um, as well, there's some really cool coincidences on March 13th, and uh, Pilot talks about why it could definitely not be flares. He's a witness, um, and the people in the documentary are fabulous. And of course, the book. There is a lot more in the book. It was a 750-page journal uh, seven years later, and I condensed the best of what I found uh, into 250 pages, and just added a, another chapter a couple years ago of what's happened since I came forward in 2004. So I hope that people will take a look at that. The Phoenix Lights, a skeptic's discovery that we are not alone. It's on Amazon. It's in stores, but Amazon uh, and Kindle have the best uh, discount. It's at Barnes and Noble as well, and uh, and libraries. Uh, if if you'd like to check it out there, and uh, I hope people will uh, will just take a look at it because it's fascinating. If nothing else, it's fascinating, and uh, you know, keep looking up. Thank you. And it's been great having you on, Dr. Lynn, and you take care, and we all keep looking up, and uh, thank you for your honesty and all your scholarship on this area. It's been amazing, and uh, you're welcome on any time. 
and hope oh, to see you in the so desert. Much, really, okay, really take appreciate care. it. You take care, You're too. You're very welcome. Okay. I will. Bye take now. Care. Okay, bye-bye. 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 Okay, we just, oh, Dr. Winner, just a really incredible person, and uh, just get a, get a hold of her, www.thephoenixlights.net. Uh, and now we already have Patty Negre in the house. Now, Patty, I'm going to give you her intro because she's an amazing woman and psychic medium. And uh, she also has her own show, and she has been so kind to uh, come on right after her show. So I hope uh, her show didn't wear her out and that uh, she's prepared for us, but she looks like she's a woman of great energy anyway. Patty is a psychic medium and a good witch. She was voted number one psychic medium, tarot reader, and witch medical practitioner for the world in 2014-15. She has recently graced five magazine covers, including, I saw some of them, American Psychic and Medium, Art, UFO and the Supernatural, Parapsychology and Mind Power, Extraterrestrials Magazine and Stars Illustrated, and contributed and or has been a part of over 20 books, several of which are Amazon bestsellers. Patty is honored to be considered one of the best psychics in the USA, U.S., and around the world, as evident by her winning these awards for the past three consecutive years. Patty's working style is magical, loving, and upbeat. And she has a great big smile, too, and she's very beautiful. And I just love the lady, and I hardly know her. Which creates a positive and safe, fun environment for you to learn, grow, and heal. She's been able to communicate with the spirit world since she was a toddler, and consciously since she's conducted her first seance at the age of eight. Now, that's a whole movie in itself, Patty. Okay, anyway, since then, she has conducted seances on radio, film, TV, and in living rooms across America. Patty has been practicing natural magic in her entire life. Her specialty is in adjusting energy and flow in people, spaces, situations, and most anything. She works organically by creating spells and rituals that arrange natural elements to the rhythms and cycles of the universe to bring about healing, change our lives for the better, and create balance. And she has enjoyed working her magic in the realm of television. Patty's recent otherworldly television appearances, including a recent episode of Jeff Lewis's Slipping Out, some magical cooking with Master Chef Gordon Ramsay. I don't even know how you could come up against that guy. Conjuring up a few dead celebrities on Private Chefs of Beverly Hills, Beverly Hills Pond, and several episodes of Pit Boss. She is brought in as a paranormal expert on ghostly lovers, Kennedy Nicole, Candidly Nicole, Mansion Hunters, Beverly Hills Pond, and dozens more. She's even gotten into the home makeover world with mobile home disaster. In addition to her being a host on two shows on Blog Talk Radio, Patty has been heard on national radio with Adam Carolla, Jason Ellis, and Mancow Muller. As a performer, Patty has enjoyed numerous stage. I was looking at all her stage work, too. She just really has a presence there. Film and television roles and has had the honor of working with Martin Sheen, Burt Reynolds, John Voight, Chevy Chase, and Sylvester Salon. And she has danced with Gregory Hines, Lucky Gal, and choreographed for David Hasselhoff and entertained celebrities on scavenger hunts, toga mysteries across the Greek islands. As a producer, Patty owns Brain Brew Entertainment, a theatrical production company that specializes in live entertainment. You can reach her at www.pattynegri.com. Anyway, I'm going to get her on right now because she's on the phone. She's probably thinking, well, that girl, shut up. 
Welcome, Patty, to the Paranormal Thank the you. Sacred. <laughs> Thank you. I am thrilled to be here. No, I'm not worn out. I actually, in between okay. my last show, I just did a new moon ritual, so I'm re-energized all over again. Um, really oh, happy to be awesome. here. And I loved listening to your last guest. She's amazing. Isn't she amazing? Yeah. And, um, I had a feeling that there was, like, so much she wasn't saying. You know, when she got into that quantum physics thing, and I was thinking, okay, she's got, she's been let in on the secret, because I believe a few of us are being shown things that are beyond our brain capacity, really. So I was just shown a room that I could see things, but I cannot even have a, I don't have a word because the words don't count over there. It's something, you know, there's a whole different, yeah. Yeah, yeah, an explainable, inexplicable, that's the word. (laughs) Inexplicable, unexplainable, and... Anyway, I want to thank you so much for being on. You know, it's a it's a great honor because I've seen you around, and I know you're a, a busy gal, and um, you're very highly thought of, and um, I really respect your work. And also, uh, I was looking on your theater, the Brain Brew and Theater page, and uh, that sound looks very exciting too. You know, you're just you're just lucky that you seem to have just dived in to life. I did, that, and that's and it. Work and, in it. it, it because I do believe we create our own luck. I spent my first uh, 30 years just kind of, you know, going where the wind led me and wanting things and doing things. And that wasn't a bad first 30 years. But I, at 30, I just went, wow, I'm really going to take control. I'm going to be my own wind in my sails. And I'm going to jump in, not worry about if I fail miserably or you know, jump, jump into the fear, turn it into a challenge. And I, I really kind of just became that architect of my life. I had all these health problems. So I really, at 30, I kind of went, oh, my God, I'm going to die early. I'm going to be in a wheelchair a 50, I have a brain tumor, blah, blah, blah. I'm yeah. going to get cancer, blah, blah, blah. And I just went, hmm, nope, nope, cancel, nope, starting a whole new thing. And it's been such an adventure. It's fabulous. So, yeah, it's this is just who I am. I just, um, life is pretty okay. great. <laughs> it is. It's great. And it's getting better all the time. And yeah. uh, the thing is, is when I read, just read, that you were already doing seances, as a little child, I mean, this is a premise for a book, young lady. I know, I know, it, it is. I'm working child on it. Seance not person. time to do it. Um, but yeah, I just really, I knew when I was two or three, or how as little a toddler I could remember, I just knew that those little imaginary friends that little kids have weren't imaginary. They were beings and entities, and I know ETs that I could communicate with play with there was never fear involved it was just like oh hi you know who's in the closet okay it just wasn't imaginary friends they were real i could communicate so and i always had this fascination and not in a morbid way for the other side and spirits on the other side so at seven again whatever seven eight i went in my little very suburban los angeles house that in my little uh, hallway which had no lights and no mirrors in it and i i started i started doing up incantations and sounds and magical words when I was little out in the garden. So I think I came up with my first little one there, brought my best little seven-year-old girlfriend with me, realized, you know, halfway in that I really didn't know any dead people. Oh, well, okay, Marilyn Monroe and John Kennedy, because this was late 60s. They're dead. I'll bring them in. And all of a sudden... Don't forget Superman. Superman. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But really, all of a sudden, within... 
minutes of me creating this chant and pulling in this energy, my little windowless, lightless hall filled with lights, filled with orbs coming in. It's like, boo, boo, boo. We both at the same time ran out screaming because we were seven. But inside I was jumping up and down going, yes, yes, yes. I knew it. I knew it. This is real. And I really just searched my whole life studying cosmologies, philosophies, belief systems, magical working shamanism in almost every path that I can find and going, okay, let's pull this out of here. Let's pull this out of here. And and just I, I kind of take it down to this basic level of energy where no one conflicts with anybody if you take it down to that level of energy. It's beautiful. Well, yeah, because you're actually creating your own sacred spot and inviting others to share. It's not like you're kicking people out of the way. You know what I mean? Right. That, uh, you're inviting them to join in the, the sacred dance of it all. Yeah. And that's what it is. It's a dance. It's a beautiful dance. It is. And and I think the dance of doing right now is 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 kind of one foot how I look at it, I surfing or dancing, I really call it and I think in this new age we're going into with the veil is this thinner, you have to have one foot in this world. You really do. One of your dance partners. Otherwise we'll just be so far out there you know, we'll get kicked out of our house, we won't have a job. You know, one foot firmly in this world and the other foot firmly, you know, on the heavens, on the skies, on the angels, on the spirits. And it's that dance in between or that surfing that that's this most magical time that they're coming together. You know, you're saying something really practical because um, cause I, I have a, gosh, a, lo- a lot of friends, uh, a lot of us either have had uh, UFO experiences or some very odd uh, phenomena or, let's say, uh, in the paranormal world or something. And uh, I believe you do have to have your head in the clouds and your feet on the ground. You just have to yep. keep it good, grounded, groundedness. And I say this over and over because I've seen people let go of the real and they quit their job and they end up living in their cars. You know, and I really don't want them to do that. And I know a lot of creative people end up like that. Yeah, and that's not serving... That's not no. serving the purpose. That's not serving the greater good. That's not. It's not even bringing a good light to it. You know. It's so. not, and um, and plus, you know, you get scary after a while. You know, and <laughs> people have asked me, why are people avoiding avoiding them? Okay, and I go, well, first of all, you have become weird. So <laughs> you become meaning that now that you have said I am a such and such, I am a you know they abduct me regularly, uh, which is my issue. Uh, but and you say all this stuff now you have become strange. So now you got to cope with it. Either you got to get artistic, creative, but you better keep your job. You know, you go <laughs> right. go get a better job or something else. You've got to somehow keep yourself grounded. Because we still have to exist here. You know, there's people that are waiting for the end of the earth right now, but our earth will end when we die. I mean, we don't have to wait for the whole planet to end. You know what I mean? Like some kind right. of shoving us towards the end of the world. I don't think you realize it's not going to come up like that fast. But your world right. will end someday. So we've got to be practical. Right, be practical so, and make the most of what this is now. I think that's our greatest. have fun. Thing. But have yeah. fun and not live in a box. That's another yeah. thing. It's just, I think at because uh, uh, I think you're quite a bit younger than me. But at a certain age, know. you just get. T- 
Uh, okay. I forgot how old I, I was, I'm and I had young. somebody deal with a calculator yesterday, and I was like, oh, my God, I'm that old. What the hell? But anyway. <laughs> I, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it has to be fun because, you know, fun just tastes better. Man, you're just right. That's it. That's true. Because I don't want to live in a beige, dry world. And all the you good stuff, I, mean? I like how you said the box, because all the really good stuff yeah. happens outside of the box. You know, you might think exactly. it's scary outside of the box, it's the unknown outside of the box, but everything good happens just outside that box. That's really, we just have to stretch ourselves, and you don't have to just do it overnight. You can just do it by actually start engaging and listening to your favorite shows, you know what I mean, they're outside what you usually listen to. I started actually hanging out the the Jungian Institute. I really started stretching out little by little, going to conferences that I was interested in. I, and actually, I couldn't get people to go with me because they weren't looking for the 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 shadow of the self, like Carl Jung and all that. They weren't really mm-hmm. into it, you know. But I was, you know. And then it did lead to my current career. You know what I mean? So, all everything on our path is kind of leading us towards that. Uh, you know, ground where we can actually support ourselves, I believe, and I hope. You know what I mean? The yep. people, I want to encourage people that are having a hard time right now, too. So why don't you give us some insight? What is going on right now? Because some people are really having a hard time physically, um, with illness, with getting a job. Like, what is going on? I think, again, there's many very valid uh, ideas on this. And the one that works for me and feels like my truth is, again, we needed a shakeup. We really needed, almost like the tower card in tarot, we had gotten so insane, so material. The importance in life as a full society and beyond just our crazy United States, I mean, the whole world was just getting, like, we've lost our whole sense of value, of integrity, of everything. So I think... The tough stuff, like all of a sudden everybody got knocked down to a survival level. I mean, a huge group of us got knocked down to a survival level. Like, what really is important? What really is? And I think that that's just what we needed. And I think that combining with, we literally are going into that age of Aquarius. Everybody sang about in the 60s, that new thing. And it's 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 flowy. We're going from a hard and fast, solid world, like this is black, this is white, this is solid, this is not, to a much more ethereal, much more liquid space. And and so anybody who's too hard and fast and right and wrong, it's hard for them. It's like standing too still and not moving with an earthquake when you're in it. So you, you, you've you got to, if, you, if you're too stuck in your way, and this is my fact, it's way harder for you. I think that's why the spirituality of things and ET and so many different philosophies and Things are coming in because we need more. We need, ooh, it's going next level. So yeah, it's about the veil is thinning. It really is. More stuff is happening. It's going to happen. They are here. You know, we're going to start seeing whether, you know, whatever words you put upon what all this looks like. You know, we've got to just shift into that more liquid way of being. Yes, and um, it'll go with the flow because you won't get splinters up your butt. That's what I think. <laughs> because it hurts that way. If you don't... It does. If you've got to... You're going to go one way or another, so you might as well go with the flow and go, you know... Uh, if you notice something and you know that uh, 
if it's in the job thing, this is this is what it's a big deal for my clients is they don't have work. You know, I said, mm-hmm. okay, it's not going to be like you put one email out and expect to call back that day. You've got to put five good resumes out there, and you've got to double check them the next day, every day. Yeah. That's how you get a job, and you've got to really just keep working hard and hard. And sometimes you don't have to do it that way. Sometimes something will fall into your lap. You know, especially now networking is more important than almost anything. It's you know, completely. You have have, yeah. So, you know, people are having a hard time uh, with their health right now, things coming out of the blue. Um, what do you what do you what, what would you I, recommend about people uh, for health reasons? I, health reasons, I think we are so much more. I, there is real health stuff because again, there is real environmental stuff. Part of what my health problems, I was DES exposed. My mother took a drug in utero when she was pregnant with me. Very first synthetic estrogen ever given. It was actually developed in Germany, and they gave it to the world to keep Hitler from using it no. for a weapon. So of course, give it to pregnant women. <laughs> So anyway, but that was the first synthetic estrogen, and that now is being mimicked. I remember. With, yeah, that is being now is being mimicked with all the pollution and all the estrogens that have seeped into our farmland and our animals and everything. How boy girl fishes are swishing and the illnesses. Um, so part of that illness is really toxicity, and we are really doing it. We have to get on taking care of our planet. And the other part of it, again, is knowing how I've completely changed my health and my point of view. We, When people don't know how to deal with this shift that's coming on, when they don't know how to, it's like, wow, where is, what is tomorrow? I don't understand. It was black and white before, and I knew if I did this and I get up in the morning, and that's not true anymore. The stress, the non-flow, the non-energy will cause illness. Worry will cause illness. Fear will cause illness. So that's why I work with my clients in coming up with ways, whether it's mental, whatever works within their belief system and cosmology, let it flow. Okay, Your emotions are getting in your way. Whether justified or not, you're worried, you're scared, you're angry. Yeah, you're angry, you got in a fight, but don't hold it in you. That's illness. That's your water element. You know, it's your emotions. Water. Go. That's why a bath or a shower feels good. Go run your hands underwater thirty yes. seconds. Ask divinity. Ask your angels. Whoever you believe in, say with this water. And wow, guess what? The emotions, the extra emotions, flow away. If it's your head that's in your way, you're overthinking. Oh my gosh, the chatter brain. We get the chatter brain, the monkey brain. I can't focus. I foggy. We girls get foggy sometimes. Um, mm-hmm. That's air element. What is air? It is breath. Oh, that's why and how many, nobody breathes anymore. We go around with this little shallow breathing. And again, breath is air. This is it. So just do some deep breathing. Do some vowel sounds, some hecka, some toning. Ah, just vowel sounds themselves will bring in clarity. Just like in church you say, amen. Yoga class, you go, oh, ah, a, e. Ah, guess what? The fog dissipates. The clarity comes back in. The chatter stops. We have these tools. It's all energy, and we have to keep it flowing, or we will get disease, get illnesses. And it's so easy to fix and free and fast. It is. And then um, what I want to know is about, uh, okay, your ancestry. Because if you started this so young, I really doubt that it, started just with you. I think it's in your family line. Yes, I believe it is. I believe it is on both sides. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I, I, my, my, my mother's side, it's your basic, I don't know, 
all Northern European Protestant mixed up, raised in Georgia, comes from a Protestant Christian background, but wasn't really raised religious. But she always talked about, well, Grandma always knew when somebody's going to die, the angels came to the back of the bed, said it was a matter-of-fact thing. Again, just it was a matter-of-fact thing. So it ran in my mom's Mm -hmm. side. My dad's side of the family is Sephardic Turkish, almost that gypsy Jewish blood. And that's how they came over from Spain and Turkey. So I think it is a total ancestral bloodline, and they kind of flew in together. Then here's this kid born with, um, uh, who gets been given this weird drug anyway that kind of messes up your DNA. Even developed a brain tumor in my pituitary, which pushes on my pineal gland. Everything added to this psychic ability. The universe Uh-oh. said, okay, we're picking her. Mm-hmm. I've got that too. You do? See? Yes. <laughs> see? I told yeah. them, okay, the only reason why I noticed it because uh, I have lifelong psychic abilities and lifelong relationship with my higher power also. And so I've had a lot of spiritual experiences and life-saving things as I was a kid and stuff like that. So I've always been in that spiritual realm of belief, but living in it, you know, and not knowing, oh, this was, no, a lot of people aren't connected like that. You know, right. but anyway, I was mer- merging on the freeway one day. This happened couple of years ago, I was merging on the freeway and I looked back at, you know how you just try, you're, you're coming from, you're looking left, so I was looking hard left, and I felt a weird spin, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I went, that was weird. I said, this, and then I, you know, I've always had like migraines, and I knew something was in there, and they took a picture, and I have a, uh, a uh, cyst on my pineal gland. <laughs> yeah. So... They say you're born with that, though. You can't give it to yourself. Well, my particular one, you know, and there's again, there may just be a big old greater plan to this whole thing. Mine got developed right. because of my hormones, or so they say, or so they think, who knows, um, because I never developed um, correct, like I never started periods. At 15, I went through hot flashes and never got periods. It was like 50 and 12 at the same time. My uterus ovaries never developed right. They stayed nine years old. Um, so because my ovaries never worked right and this, this little follicle-stimulating hormone, I don't need to go there for all your listeners in the head, didn't mm-hmm. shut off. So my this hormone in the brain just kept making where it's supposed to make 20 points of FSH, follicle-stimulating hormone. Mine went up into the hundreds and hundreds and just started tumoring out wow. around my pituitary. Yeah. So again... Many methods to get wherever we're going, but luckily, <laughs> yeah. luckily, my grandfather here in LA, he was actually he wasn't spiritual at all. He was actually the leader of the, though in a way, if you change all the worlds, he was the same person. But he he was a leader of the Humanist Church of the Amer the something of Friends American something of Friends. He hung out yeah. with. The Carl Jung of the world, Isaac Asimov, Steve Miller, the very scientific, very Freudian kind of guys. And I've read many yes. of his books. He wrote on religion. He, his books were like The Creator and the Created, Your Sexual Complexes and You, and something else something else um, of his day. But again, if you change the world, it's like, oh, this is my belief system. It's just you're using science or you're using this. But if you, again, take it down to that energy level, um, it's kind of the same. So, but again, I never was raised with that fear of that this is bad or this is good or that's a sin. I, I just didn't have that. Well, I did. I'm a very guilty person. So, 
<laughs> I did. So I'm Greek. I was actually baptized Greek Orthodox, and along with that, it's like sort of like a Catholic thing. So a lot of lots of guilt, lots of you know, sin, a lot of things to get over. But anyway, uh, on the other hand, you know, to have this gift in childhood, what did uh, did people observe in you from the outside? Would they, would, did they ever take notice of what you were doing, or was your family surprised at any point? Uh, my mom, it's so interesting, because we used to go places. I was really shy and really introverted as a child, amazingly so. But I really, really kept to myself. I stayed and played with my spirits and whatever in, in the room and did have a good imagination as well as what's not imagination. But... My mom, we would, she was very social, and we'd be going somewhere. We'd be, we're going to lunch at the neighbors. And I'm like, oh, no, I went there yesterday. She goes, we have never been there, Patty. And I'm little. I'm like five, six. I go, I'm like, no, no, no. I, I, I didn't know the word astral travel, but it's like I went there last night when I was asleep. No, you couldn't. We haven't gone there. I go, okay, the living room's orange. The kitchen is green. There's really ugly stripes in the bathroom. I've, I've been there, and we'd walk in, and there it all was. I go, it, it's not even like a psychic premonition. It's just I was there. What? No well, big deal. Um, and I, I, I think it just became a normal. But most people didn't know because I, I was just so introverted. But I always would tell my mom, it's like, you know, and she just thought I was a sensitive child. At this one's like, so and so thinks this about me, or she doesn't like me, or she's this or that. And she's like, oh no. It, you know, you can't know what they're thinking. It's like, but I do. <laughs> yeah. I, I did spend the 80s, most of the 80s, up until Shirley MacLaine came out, or my the late 70s or 80s, just not wanting it, though. I used to even learn to wear hats. When you wanted those teenage and, and young years, when you just, I want to be normal, please, I would wear hats to keep my to keep my spirit in so I wouldn't ask to travel and stuff. Like, <laughs> no, 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 I'm normal. Nope, nope, nope. Okay. But that was the only little so you, period of that. Yeah, well, so, you know, that's not going to stop you from astral traveling, but have you had experiences with astral travel? I have. I have. Could you tell it's, us a story or? Mm, well, let me see. What would be a good story? Um, I Again, I just never thought, I did when I was young, I would, go places and travel places and a lot of ancient places that I wouldn't know anything about as a kid like Rome and you know ancient ancient civilizations going back into the Sumerians and things and and it's just again I've been here I know this um it wasn't until adulthood when I started going you know up <laughs> into like council mm-hmm. places and okay this is yeah they're not human they're not they're not humans they're extraterrestrial types um, that didn't come until adulthood. But I, but when I look back at that, it's like, oh, I knew you people when I was a kid. You were my little playmates. Wow. Mhm. You, you were know, the short because, ones. <laughs> yeah, that's uh. Hmm. So, what do you think? Okay, you were listening to uh, our first segment. What do you think of uh, what if if there are aliens? I'm just saying for the people that don't believe, I'm just saying it this way. If there are aliens, what and who do you think they are? Okay, I think just like of species here, how many species are there? Humans, of course, but all kinds of animals and stuff. I think life 
it, I can't imagine not thinking there was life on other planets. I forget whose quote is it. It's a be- most beautiful quote. It, it frightens me to think of life on other planets, but it frightens me much more to think there wouldn't be, that we would be alone in this endless universe. The only thing that developed into yeah. this is just that kind of insanity to me. Um, I think that there is very many different types. I've I've never... God, I, I mean, I'm not deep into the study of okay. There's the, there's you know, the reptilians and there's the greys and there's the, the, they're from these and these and the Anunnaki and the Pleiadians. Um, I, I, but I think it's just like okay. There's the French. There's the Americans. There's the African. It's kind of the same thing. Some have better intents. Some have lesser intents. I think there's a whole lot that are such in different levels out there that we don't at all see them or know who they are. Um, I think the ones that are closer to us energetically or vibrationally are the ones that we tune into more. But I think there's, it's so rich and so big that it's it's mind-boggling. <laughs> I know the most yeah. about a little bit, the, and it's because of... Um, the guy who started our American Federation of Certified Psychics and Mediums, Maximilian mm-hmm. de Lafayette, I have a lot of his books, and he writes everything on the Anunnaki. So, um, and that history yeah, sort of makes a whole lot of sense vegan, to me. Yeah. There's so much to cover, and I wanted to ask you. Um, and you do uh, professional, uh, you know, Big readings, you do media, uh, do you still do seances? I do. Seances are one of my specialties. Uh, Since I was, like I said, since a little kid, I'm doing, um, I mean, I do them for regular private people all the time. I've done them for big fancy people. I've done a lot of television, and it's it's pretty amazing stuff that will happen even on camera, even in almost dark, though they make you a little too bright. I'm doing one on uh, the top Oxygen show next week, Bad Girls Club. Um, Yeah. It's like in its 14th season. I'm doing one next week on that show. Uh, And a clearing, because one of the girls there thinks that there's an entity there or that it's haunted. So I'm going to go do Mm -hmm. a seance, talk, see if I find anything, talk to it, and then you know, if appropriate, clear it. Right. Are you able to, uh, let's say, can you do this from a distance? I have a friend who bought a really gorgeous house. I mean, it's so beautiful. It's right on the water. I'm not going to tell you what state it's in. I'll just tell you off the air. But okay. uh, there was like f- uh, five murder people murdered in the house. And she would like a clearing or whatever, uh, is yes. there any way to do that from a distance, or how would how would that person get help? Okay, yes, I could actually. I really could help her. I would number one. I would send her a list of things to to get on her own, and we would do it together. We could literally do it on the phone, yeah. and I think I could tune in. I didn't think I could do it, and for years I said no. I have to be there. You could send me there, and that's fine. You know, travel me. But then somebody just couldn't yeah. fly me to Newark, whatever, and they really had needs. So I talked them through it. And using my site, using my mediumship, along with the the energy seeing it, we it really did work, and I was able to see things. Whenever there, if there's five deaths, it, there's stuff going on. I just cleared a house last week that five people had died from suicides, the drug stuff. I mean, oh. it was just, Ooh, the portals that get open, the energy that gets charged, 
is is great. So yeah, have her have her give me a call. I could even send her stuff if she wants to try it on her own, or she could talk it through, and yeah. you can be on the phone with us. Oh, cool. I so, just wanted uh, to somehow uh, get her connected with somebody because, believe me, I was calling and calling all over the place back where she is, and I really couldn't find anything. And then it just dawned on me tonight that maybe you would be a good one to ask her. Yeah, I would be happy to help, definitely. Um, oh, again, because it's, uh, it's energy. It's all energy. And uh, portals about- and spirits and space and... And just yep. sometimes, and sometimes there's not even spirits in a place. Every place needs to be clean. Once in a while, people are so funny. They move, or after illness, or fighting, or they change, they paint, they change the furniture, they decorate, they clean. Nobody does anything about the energy, and that's the most important. That's more important than than changing the paint. And and we all need to do it again. If you cite yourself getting not productive about something, or again arguing, or you're feeling lethargic, there may not be a ghost or a spirit there, or a big old portal. It just might get stuck old energy. You know, clear it out. You know, and yes, everybody sages. Go sage and you know salt water and basil leaves and all those things. But just don't stop there. One of my pet peeves on clearing is people sage and stop. Sage is clearing. Mm-hmm. Yes, sage gets rid of everything but it's so clearing it that it almost creates a vacuum and so people clear it they go yeah house feeling really good but it but it came back or something else came back it's almost like dusting your house uh you know cleaning it up and dusting your house and then leaving all the doors and windows in in a dust storm so after you say just say then go back through with a sweet at very least a sweet incense a frankincense a myrrh something sacred bring a candle room to room and refill it up okay i've got rid of sadness anger bad spirits energy illness whatever now i'm going to go through that every room again what do you want in this office mm productivity good phone calls clarity thinking what do you want in your bedroom ah sanctuary good sleep great sex what do you want in your bathroom ah elimination good plumbing literally and literally you know cleanliness mm-hmm. good body image and you bring in this sweetness and you're filling that space back up with good and positive things so there's not space for the the bad junk to jump back in or or some Something worse or something different, and it's You're so totally simple right as about that. that. Yeah, like there's a little phrase in the Bible even that says, "Okay, you can sweep it clean, but be careful. There could be seven more coming to replace it. So you have to fill it up with the good. It's just not enough to just get rid of stuff. You do have to replace it with good. And, yeah, uh, that you goes do. for a lot of different things, you know. And I talk a lot about with my clients about. Um, Let's say you've done some things. Uh, you've already, all my clients are federal prisoners, so uh, it's okay if you've done some things. You can't really say what it was or stuff like that. But you know, I believe in a living amends. There is a way to do forgiveness. Okay, you did your time and everything else, but if you feel like you still have something to be forgiven for, you pick you know a person and you start doing for them. And you can't make it easy on yourself. You got to pick the most rotten person. <laughs> <laughs> and you do good for them. You do kindness for them. As rotten as they are, keep doing it until you're let off the hook. Because I believe that, you know, we do have ways to uh, get rid of the negative energy if we have created some kind of pain or loss. You know, I feel like that yeah. we can replace it. It's not, there's nothing impossible. We can, nothing we can impossible. Do it, Unless we think it's impossible, and then it is. Then forget it. Just lay down. 
<laughs> I don't advise anybody to do that. Just lay down for a minute, but get back up again. Now you say something beautiful on your uh, website, uh, Patty Negri. How do you pronounce your last name? Negri, like an egg. Negri, Negri. like PattyNegri.com. <laughs> okay, yeah. good. So you're quoting William Blake, which I give you uh, extra points for that. William Blake, anyway, <laughs> wrote once: "If the doors of perception were cleansed, everything would appear to man as it is, infinite." For man has clothed himself up till he sees all things through narrow chinks of his cavern. That almost brings tears to my eyes because that was the thing that we were talking about. I didn't even know you had this on your site and uh, this quote, but it's about when you get you dig yourself in a hole and then you keep yourself there and you don't even know any better. Right, and you get comfortable there. <laughs> and you get comfortable there. Because I, I had a, a dream about this one time that uh, there was this young boy. He was in a hole in the wall. He was living in a hole in the wall. And so wow. then the teacher comes along and looks in and says, what are you doing in there? And he started crying. He said, I've been hurt so much. I'm not coming out of this hole in the wall. Uh, I've been hurt. I'm scared. And uh, I can't I can't seem to pass this test. And uh, he was just anxiety-ridden. And then the teacher tell him to help him come out, but she also showed him that on every inch of her body was a scar, and she said, this is my test that I wear. I can do it. You can do it. And she helped him out of the hole in the wall. Oh. I know. I want to tell the little ones, because I don't want to just start crying all over the place. Yeah. But I'm telling you, we can all get out of our damn hole. There's too many people in the hole. We can get out of there, because I think you're an example of uh, living out there and living, a, you know, a big life despite the obstacles were thrown in your way, even before you were born, you know, because you got a pretty big hit with that stuff. Yeah, I did. I remember did. about this because I studied on this stuff, and it, and it was it's a terrible uh, thing. You know, you're very, very fortunate that it wasn't worse stuff. You're right. You know I mean? But, because I mean, it could have been, and I could have accepted it, yeah, and it I think been, I would have had way more yeah. symptoms than I just refused to have them. Though. Um, but exactly. really, when I, they first discovered all this at 15, again, when I was having uh, menopausal hot flashes but hadn't had a period, mm-hmm. and they w- went in for my first surgery, and, again, I started taking on that little victim mode. It's like, oh, poor me. And, you know, I lived mm-hmm. with that for that few years, and I went, this is just not working for me. I mean, really, it affected marriages i couldn't have children i can't do that and and then one day i just said i I don't want this hole anymore i'm taking charge this is what i was giving this is what i'm going to make of it and everything changed really at 30 they told me i had five fractures in my spine because my osteoporosis was so bad because i had never had hormones it's like again if you hit menopause at 15 your bones start going and i was a dancer i had been an ex and a dancer and i'm like this is not okay and and I just said no. So, you know, at 50, instead of being in a wheelchair, which was the prognosis they gave me, I was doing that crazy TV show Wipeout, the world's largest yeah. obstacle course, and bouncing on the beach wow. balls. And that was my little big, you know, screw you <laughs> to the society that told me it had to be this. And I said no. We can do anything. And I didn't know all this. We're really talking about something astonishing because I didn't know all this about you. I guess I'm just picking it up and... I'm understanding, oh. you know, that there's a suffering going that had been going on, and that how are you coping with the pain and uh, ongoing thing? I, I, amazingly, I, I, I don't. I mean, I, I cope with it because I, I don't have it. I, 
Oh got goodness. hot flashes. I don't get headache. I should get headaches. I should get all sorts of things. I don't. I should have bad sore back. I I think I am like twice as healthy as as average people my age. I again, I teach a, a workout every single day, free up outside at Lake Hollywood to get the whole world out doing it. It's called Pace Express. It's for every exercise level. I go up six days a week. It's me giving back. I'm just so grateful for everything I've been giving, and I just want to share that hope and possibility with everybody. It doesn't have to be the spiritual side of things. Some people don't want that or need that, but that 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 hope and possibility of just life. Yeah, because, you know, we have been given a big blessing this life, you know, and I know people uh, have really, it seems like this past year, have given up on this life. You know what I mean? They... Mm-hmm have even said some pretty bad things and, you know, taken their own life. I mean, it's happening over and over, you know. They didn't say bye, and then they really are gone. And I think because we're all on Facebook together that we're aware of what's going on. And, see, I believe in eternity, so that isn't the end. You may say goodbye, but it's just so temporary. You know, then you go on to the next thing. I don't know what happens to everybody because I don't have that information. You know, but I encourage everybody to live here as long as you can, doing the best you can, you know. And, uh, you know, I've I've felt like that. I've had a dream where, uh, but it was a dream telling me something, that I was sick. I didn't know I was sick. So it was a couple of months ago, and I was tired. I was, like, creeping down this this hallway of life, and uh, my guide told me, don't give up, keep coming, keep coming. I said, I'm tired, though. I'm in pain. It hurts, you know, because my bones are hurting. And I said, but he said, keep coming, though, keep coming. And I went around a corner, and there was heaven. It was so beautiful. And it mm. kind of shocked me out of realizing, you know, we're only here for a certain amount of time anyway, you know. So we have to make the best out of it. We can't give up. Plus, we've got to be here to help each other. Yeah. And I feel like, that you're, I feel like you're reaching out and helping people in a big way. Yeah, and, and again, this it's just it's it's just the quest I've been given, and and luckily I create I get to do it in a fun way, and a lot of it is silly television, um, and some of it is very silly television, really like Master Chef and 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 Pit I was wanting, to, yeah, I was going to ask you, what are you doing with Gordon Ramsay? Now, how did that work? Is he screaming okay. at you or anything? Um, well, what that was is, <laughs> um, I'm really. Not a cook. I really not. But I, I believe I wanted to get my idea out there of magical cooking. Like put intent. If you're if you're making oatmeal for your kid, don't sit there being angry and you're stirring in your anger into that. Into oh yeah, oatmeal. I believe that. Put love. Yeah. Stir clockwise. Put in love to that oatmeal. So just my idea of magic in everything of spell working of ritual with food. It's been around magical cooking kitchen, which forever, ever, ever. So mm-hmm. I decided, even though I don't know how to boil water, I would try out for Master Chef because with that angle doing magical cooking, um, even so literally when I did it two years ago, season three, they told us 70,000 people nationwide tried out, 70,000. I'm one of the hundred who made it on. And wow. that is magic. That it because it just it actually wipeout is almost the same kind of odds, four hundred thousand, and I'm one of the couple hundred who made it. But it's because again, it's that intent, it's that faith in yourself. I had a message to give, and yes, it was sort of silly. My first time out when I for my first audition, I made I have newt pumpkin soup with a vegetarian cool. newt free. 
<laughs> but yeah, um, but again, I talked my philosophy and how everything matters and what herbs to use for this and that. So I kept went through five months of audition, kept going. Any minute they're going to figure out I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> but no. Um, so when I got when we I finally got through it, we went on. Uh, then you're sequestered. Those big shows like that, you are completely sequestered. They take away your phones. They take away your laptops. No tablets. I couldn't. Don't talk to your husband, children, dogs, cats, anything, because they're adding to that. Because you're going for a two hundred fifty thousand dollar prize. They they're building up the tension because that's what those shows do. Um, but it was just like wow, this. This was pretty amazing. So I remember I was making Aristos's Son of Apollo love pasta for Gordon Ramsay, Joe Bastianich, and Graham. And again, I did the whole magical cooking and my intent behind and what the basil meant when I used this, and I did it in the shape of a mandala. But I did get scared. Uh-huh. I got really scared when I was going on to that, almost just like with the with the – the, when I was doing the wipeout show and I went, oh, I forgot I was afraid of heights and it's cold and it's icy and I have to, like, fall 500 feet. Um, but I was, like, I was moving on to that MasterChef kitchen with three cameras and all these people going to the world. It's like, oh, my gosh, what am I doing? But I, I you know, oh I like God. those kind of challenge. I was so scared. I remember I picked up my first salt grinder, and I really do know how to use a salt and pepper grinder, but it was real modern. I was like, which side is up? And so I'm turning it up and down going, oh, my God, this is not a good start. This is Lucy does... <laughs> Lucy in the kitchen, but I did it, and I got to talk my game and I my my philosophy, and mm-hmm. you know, and if anybody got it in watching a silly cooking show or you know my clean house, what I'm not clean house, yeah, I did clean house, but Jeff Lewis for flipping out when he brought me into clean and clear has house, you know, in this fun silly reality way, I'm getting real information out to people and i'm just so lucky that the universe gave me this method of doing it <laughs> it is it's, it sounds like it's just so much fun and, and joy and you get to meet all these people now yeah. i have been i did extra work back in the day so i was in a movie with burt reynolds but you got to meet uh martin sheen like oh my god whisper burt reynolds directed me in with martin sheen i did oh really but they brought back in the 80s god. with um Yes, um, Alfred Hitchcock presents. You know, it was an old show. I don't know in the fifties. Yeah. They brought it back in the the late eighties, and it and it was like all these celebrities of the day would do it. So Burt Reynolds directed it. I got to work with Martin Sheen, Bernie Casey, Parker, Parker Stevenson, and Martin Sheen. It was he is like an angel. I know, he made he me, and I was young, and I was so nervous, and I'd done little things, but never with these kind of caliber of people. And he came up to me, and I had a little part of a secretary, you know, a few lines, and um, and he he just like with his gorgeous eyes, look at me in the eyes. He's like, just have fun. This with you're great, and he made me so comfortable. He he really was like this angelic presence. I I, I you know, he like constantly all works on the good, you know, and I get yeah. that from Martin Sheen. He's constantly I, uh, working for the good, and, uh, you know, I really admire his body of work. I mean, it's incredible, you know. Too. And his takes yeah. a social stand. He stands for what he believes in, you know. He does. And that's pretty amazing. Not everybody agrees with him, but, you know, I get that. But I that's think okay. Fabulous. And I don't even always agree with him. <laughs> but yeah. I, And often I do. But that's okay, too, you know. But, again, mm-hmm. it's like stand up for your integrity, your belief system, and your truth. And he's always on the side of good, so. Ah. Yeah, he is. He's working hard to, to do that whole thing. But, uh, you know, it's just uh, so well, 
Now, if you're, do you, uh, what I'm thinking of right now is that do you do uh, any past life regressions with people or I, do you do kind of like, I don't know what it's called, a remote viewing, but do you do like psychic viewing at a distance? I do. I do what I call dirty sessions. I guess that's a real word for it. And I do, sometimes okay. they definitely go into past life a lot they do. I do a lot of what they, I think they call soul retrieval, where you're going in, and I do a lot of talking to young children. You, when you're, let's go look at you when you were three or five or seven and oh. see where all this went. And oftentimes within that, it goes into past life. It's like, oh, okay, we're going a little further. We'll jump into a wormhole, like literally. It's like, okay. Um, so I do, and I'm, I'm viewing as they're doing it. So we're seeing it together. And, you know, once they get past the, like, wow, when you say things, I just saw it. <laughs> when they get past that, it's like, yeah, that's okay. It's all the same. It's all, all energy. Um, it, it's pretty amazing. But, I mean, really, I, you know work with people. You know that, that you, what you can do in, in one little aha moment session of just really connecting in because it's the same mm-hmm. as years of therapy for some people. Well, it is because it, it's uh, it's that magic leap from here to there from darkness to epiphany, and uh, it's sometimes so healing, and that's all you need is that one little piece, you know, yeah. that little missing piece. And that's how we help each other to see, because as good as we are on our own, we actually need people to help us with the mirror and give us some insights into what they see. A lot of times yeah. we don't want to know what people are seeing in us, but, you know, we have to. We and do have, we to. have to. And submit, we have to submit, you know. Yeah, people always ask me, "Do you read for yourself?" It's like, heck no. Do you read your? your do, I can't. I, I'm too, you know, too biased. <laughs> do you read your own tarot cards? No, I don't. I'll read for anybody in the world, but no, I need somebody else. I need you need an outside eye. Yes, I do my own work, of course. That's the meditation. That's the self journey. That's the contemplation. That's the ritual or whatever. Yes, of course, I work on myself. But to get an outside read, it needs to be an outside person. Well, that's like being your own doctor. It's kind of odd. I mean, you yeah. really need another point of view and a different set of eyes. Um, you know, for I'm in recovery, so I start out, uh, you know, the, you have to take these personal inventories and stuff like that. So I've accomplished uh, for probably four and a half. So, uh, and you have to really take a good look at all of, all of what's in your inventory. Just take it out, look at all of it. And with that, we need help. You know, we need yeah. somebody to help us and hold that hand. And I think that's where a lot of the magic is. It's kind of like holding a hand and assisting with, in a ritual way, somebody to get to a different level or a different type of awareness. You know, because to me, it facilitates, well, you're being a mirror. Now, this is my concept of what you're doing, is that you're, you're being a mirror to somebody, you know, and then you have the ritual and the love that's included and then it helps them to actually take a look at themselves. What yeah. Think? I think I agree 100%. That's a beautiful way of looking at it. Um, yeah, and there's many, many ways to be that mirror, to be that reflection, because to me it's all about creating that crystal clear vision, that intent, that laser beam. So some people, you know, you get it working with somebody and bouncing off. Some people it's ritual work. Some people it's spell work. Some people it's just prayer. Some people it's a big old vision board. Some people it's the secret. Some people it's the like, spiritual life. There's many ways to create that same concrete picture. Yes. 
Yeah, so uh, tell us about your show. When is your show? Where? Tell us all about your stuff. Okay. I have two blog they? talk shows. Yeah. I have two blog talk shows. One is on Wednesday, and it's with beautiful Janine Reagan Sinclair. She's in the UK. Um, so we're across the pond from each other, and we always have a subject. Every week we'll take a subject, like anything from crystal skulls to, uh, you know, angels to this to that and we we both come from very different cosmologies so it's great comparing what she knows her she's very more new age and i'm very more old age i guess we should call it um and it's beautiful so that's wednesday wednesdays at 11 a.m uh pacific 12 and 2 p.m eastern and 7 p.m in the uk um and also fridays i have on blog top psychics gone wild my partner is Kimberly Wilson Ward, who's a beautiful fellow American Federation psychic with me, um, and that's Fridays at five o'clock Pacific, which is eight o'clock. Mm-hmm. It's times drive me crazy. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's my two those. And TV wise, I think I have a. I mean, I don't have my own show yet, though. That's in the works. I wish I could talk about that, but that's stuff I can't talk mm-hmm. about. Um, but I think I have a. Let's just talk about silliness. I think I have a, a Hollywood Hillbillies airing this month. I just shot Ghost Adventures last cool. week. So I got to meet Zach yeah. and the boys, which was funny because that show, oh, I like to watch that show and yell at them. <laughs> what are yeah, you doing? <laughs> You're a big baby. You're a big macho <laughs> boy. He's screaming like a girl. Ghost so it was really fun actually getting to work with them, and they're pretty great in life. I must say they really are great. Um, and, again, next awesome. week I'm sh- shooting Bad Girls Club. This week I got to do an a- other acting thing, and this just was a gift from the universe. I got to play Ernie Hudson's wife. And Ernie Hudson is this beautiful actor. Been I around love forever. Him. He was the Yeah, he was the original Batteries Ghostbusters. Yes, I was like, I'm a real life Ghostbuster, and you were one of those. You were a TV Ghostbuster, but I got you to be his wife in a film with the gorgeous Josh Dumel. Dumel, Dumel. I always say his name wrong. People say my name. Josh, Josh Dumel, the beautiful Josh Dumel, in a movie about um, baseball players would know who he is. His name is Bill Spaceman Lee. This guy, a pro hmm. baseball player who lived life by his own rules, like in a van and. Kind of real spiritual. I think he did half things on acid. I don't know, but it, this a beautiful role to get to meet these people and get to play uh, Ernie's wife. It's so fun. I just I think that's that so awesome. I know. It is. <laughs> I just posted Plus a couple I pictures love him on as Facebook. An actor. I know. Yeah, but he must tower over you. That guy's a tall, a tall guy. Yeah, he's a big guy, and he was so sweet, so fun to work with. Yeah, anybody like me on Facebook, friend me on Facebook, either one. I Both are Patty Negri. I just posted a few pictures from set the other day. It was fun. And a baseball movie. So it's it's so fun being with, because all these actors, all these guys, everything from the, you know, just guys who are regular ball players to the stars, to give, put baseballs in boys' hands. All these grown men actors get to be 12 years old again. So it's not even like being on a regular set. They're out there playing ball and having so much fun. Funny big ball oh, scenes and yeah, so it was very magical. Nothing better than I love baseball. Uh, my ex used to. Uh, I, it's my secret love. Okay, I love baseball, people. And it's I'm, not a secret you know, anymore. I, it's not a secret now. You all know. So I love baseball, <laughs> and uh, so I remember my uh, ex would come catch me. He said, "You watching baseball?" I went, "No, I'm not watching baseball." 
And so he, we had a, like a running joke. He would catch me in there watching it. But, uh, of course, you know, the morning in Boston, you know, <laughs> you go with the Red Sox. But, you know, I'm a Dodger fan, too, you know. But, mm-hmm. anyway, anything baseball, to me, the baseball movies are, are one of the greatest kind. Dame me, Laurie, too. 90 seconds, this is it? Wow, Dame that Daddy. went fast. Thank you. That went by too fast. You know, I want to thank you so much and catch Patty's show Wednesdays and Fridays, and uh, what's the show address or the name? Oh, Say it again. Um, I, so well, the, the first show, the Wednesday show, again, 11 a.m. Pacific. It's called Cosmic Truth, The Cosmic Truth. It's on Blog Talk. That's all I know. And the Friday show is called Psychics Gone Wild, and it's at 5 o'clock Pacific, also on Blog Talk. And again, yeah, so if anybody you, uh, go to my website, you can. I post everything, and Facebook, I post everything. I Twitter, all the stuff that we have to do in this modern age. <laughs> okay, so that's p a t t i n e g r i dot com, and that's yes. where you can find everything at. Cause that's where I found it. And I want to thank you so much for being on. You know, you're a gem, and uh, whenever you have time, we'd love to have you back again. And uh, God bless you. May the spirits be with you and much prosperity, health, and happiness and everything. And right back on you, at you. Honored to be thank here. Thank you. you. I'd come back anytime. Thank, thank you, sir. Thanks. Okay. You're very welcome. Okay. Take care. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, bye. So, well, good night, everybody. Uh, this went by two fastest hour of my life. It just went by so quick. Uh, fascinating women tonight. And I invite you to come back next week to the paranormal and the sacred where the unheard may be heard, and sometimes the unseen gets seen, and we learn things. Anyway, love you. Good night. God bless you. Bye-bye.